0: My mom is upset that i'm recording this episode and when i told my mom that i was recording this episode my mom asked me several times in several different ways why why do you need to talk about sex and adhd why do you need to put your personal business on the internet why do you need to share stuff about your personal sex life with people and the answer comes from Dr. Jabal Khandi, who published a study in July of 2020, entitled Study on Sex Function in Adults with ADHD. And in that study, he concluded that women with ADHD experience astronomically higher rates of low desire, low arousal, struggle to orgasm, lower sexual satisfaction, and more pain and struggle to become aroused during sex. Along the same lines, he also discovered that men with ADHD are struggle to orgasm, and struggle with sex drive, and struggle with erectile dysfunction, and struggle with satisfaction at much, much higher rates than neurotypical men. And that is something that I didn't know until July of 2020. I've struggled with sex my entire life. I have struggled with body image my entire life. And I say over and over and over again that there is just some stuff that they leave out of the brochure. And sex and ADHD, and I guess maybe a better way of saying it is, ADHD's impact on your sex life is profound. And so, today, I have decided that I don't care if my mom is mad at me for airing my personal business on the internet. Because this is something that I am deeply, deeply passionate about educating people about. And I feel like there is so much shame and there is so much anxiety wrapped up in sex and ADHD I feel like it's kind of time to talk about it. Hi everybody, it's me, Katie Asaurus, and welcome to episode 17 of Infinite Quest. Before we begin, we just wanted to let you know that this week's episode is all about sex. We don't get graphic or anything, but we do believe that consent works both ways, and so we wanted to let you know that this week's episode is definitely not safe for work. Unless you're listening on headphones and have a really good poker face, then I suppose anything could be safe for work. Next, we just want to let you know that we are really close to achieving our goal of getting 100 reviews up on iTunes by the end of the month. Leaving us a review costs you nothing but a little tiny bit of your time, and it helps us out more than you could ever know. I'll be back at intermission with a few more announcements, but for now, sit back, relax, and let's talk about sex, baby. I just realized that I don't actually know how the song goes transition that was a weird way to open the podcast but here we are hi eric
1: hey, katie how's it going that, that was, was good
0: that was beautiful gave a little speech made a little speechy speech that was lovely it's fine but i just like it's been on my mind it's been on my my mind a lot lately and i was thinking about how how much i have learned since July of 2020, like it's, it's January of 2021. Happy new year, Eric. Hey, happy new year. But that is, that's not, there, there's not very many studies about ADHD and sex, my dude. And it's a huge, huge part of the ADHD experience. And I feel like we should talk about it today.
1: Yeah, I think we should too. I think it took me a long time to realize how much my ADHD affects my life. And it also took me a long time to realize how much my relationship with my own sexuality and sex life and sexual identity affects my life. And I think in like the same eight-month period, I both realized how much ADHD affects my life and how much my sexual identity affects my life. And interestingly enough, my coming to terms with each one aided in the, my coming to terms with the other. I think they're very closely related at least to me and it sounds like they're very closely related to a lot of other people.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing that I was shocked about was I started when I started realizing that there was such a connection between sexual dysfunction and ADHD. I started talking about it right away. Like I read like the first study and I was like, "Yes." And then I it was like it became my hyper fixation for a couple ah. of weeks, <laughs> throwback to last week's episode. <laughs> and I was, it was fascinating. It was fascinating to learn that there's so much connection that is only just now sort of starting to get uncovered. Um, and so I thought we should do an episode on it. Yeah. Well, so I think
1: I've, for me, for my own sexual identity for my whole life, there's been a lot of shame Yeah. around it. Like they were so closely related to each other. That when I became sexually aroused or just thought of sex in any way, at any time of any day, I immediately felt shame. For a while ago, it was like sexual, you know, arousal and then a bad sexual experience, and then shame. And that happened so not necessarily frequently, but that that the impact of that was so profound on my brain that my brain just sort of cut out the middleman. And so, For the last probably seven or eight years, um, when I think of sexuality at all, when I think of sex at all, if I see a a Victoria's Secret commercial, I... I
0: thought you were going to say rich Victorian widow. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh no! When is she going to be on the OnlyFans, Katie? That's Pretty what the soon. fans want. Oh. Hello, it's me, a rich Victorian <laughs> widow. Look at my ankles. I'm sorry, I just derailed this very serious <laughs> conversation about sex and ADHD. Sorry, when you see Victoria's Secret, she saw my. Oh, look! At, I'm going to flash a little ankle. You scandalous! I don't know it's going with that?
1: <laughs> But so over time, my brain cut out that sort of that middleman. So yeah. when I saw like a Victoria's Secret commercial, I would immediately. F- get depressed and ashamed and really? sad, absolutely, yeah. So much so that I forgot that that was the case. So I would, you know, let's say I was 21 and I'm at a bar with, like, you know, I live in Berkeley, California and it's like a college town. I'm not a student, but like, let's just say I go out with my friend to a bar sure. and I look across the room and I see like, well, like I'm straight, so like a, a pretty woman. And I kind of think like, well, I want to go talk to her, whatever. There is probably like maybe half a second between having like the beginning of the thought of like, oh, you know, maybe she wants to talk to me or, or I should like send a drink to her. Like, as soon as sex becomes anywhere involved in something that I'm doing or thinking about, um, depression kicks in immediately. Uh, and it's something that I, 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 I mean, I, I, I I've said for a while, I've said to many therapists that my sexual frustration led to sexual detachment where I would I would dissociate um, basically uh, yeah. ispe- in, in in actual sexual circumstances if I if sex became a topic of conversation or if I thought about sex like in other circumstances I would get depressed and all that but if I was in a sexual circumstance as soon as things start or initiated I dissociate. And that led to a massive spike in my rejection-sensitive dysphoria, Mm -hmm. um, which is... So I guess I wouldn't... I wasn't... Well, actually, no. Holy shnikes, Katie. Did you just have a podcast breakthrough? I had a podcast breakthrough just now. Hit me with it. I was... journal. Oh, my gosh. My rejection-sensitive dysphoria is what caused my dissociative response. Because in my head, sex was tied very closely to failure mm-hmm. and embarrassment and shame and so right. i check i would check out for them because w- you know when i first became sexually active i had so many shameful and embarrassing experiences that my brain as a defense mechanism started dissociating holy shnikes katie
0: are you okay do we need to stop recording
1: no no no, no, no. Okay. it's fine i just i hope i i, I I'm, I apologize if I'm not as articulate about this as I like I just thought because I, I was just thinking like I Was dissociated but I knew re- rejection sensitive dysphoria was part of it But if you're dissociated then you're not aware enough of your surroundings to perhaps be what to, to feel rejection Yeah, but I realized the RSD came first. Yeah, and again This is ties into how closely insanely related my ADHD has been to my sex life because I, I was diagnosed when I was 15 but I didn't, I wasn't aware of the, the implications of it until, I don't know, I guess it would have been July of, of 2020 when I made a video about it. And then people were like, oh, tell me more. And I was like, oh, let me learn more. Um, but oh my gosh. So I guess, I guess that is to say that the more I learned about ADHD and my ADHD, the more I learned about my own sexual identity and the, the profundity, right, profundity mm-hmm. of that Um is still sort of hitting me in waves you just saw a wave hit just now but especially as as, as a male who's who's expected um you know I'm, I'm a straight cis white male and it's sort of expected that we were supposed to just want to have sex all the time like if you're at a place and like a you know in in a, in a in a woman like a conventionally attractive woman comes up to you and says hey there big boy do you want to take me to the closet and
0: How many times has that happened to you in
1: your life, Eric? Can I cut on your toes too? Yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> once or twice, honestly. All jokes are once or twice. And it's we're we're shown through through media and and all the story, the immense amount of stories and narratives that were told on a daily basis that straight men, cis men, are supposed to be able to have sex at the drop of a hat, which is not the case for
0: me and never has it's not that i don't think it's the case for most men i i I suspect that's the case too i I just feel like there and i don't like obviously i don't have the experience of being a man but i feel like you've you've really hit on something with like there is like an expectation because that is what you know society or media or whatever talks about but you know so it's I don't think it's feasible for people to just be ready to go at a drop of a hat, even for people who experience hypersexuality, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. But I think like that expectation comes from like this weird fictionalization of the practicalities of sexuality.
1: Mm. Yeah, this scene that one particular scene that just exists rent free in my head is uh, the scene in the movie Eight Mile with, with Eminem. Have you seen the movie Eight Mile?
0: I have not seen Eight
1: Mile. Kitty... You gotta get on it. It's
0: I wasn't a-, a junior high boy. <laughs>
1: okay, fair, fair enough. The song "Lose Yourself" was written for yes, that movie.
0: Uh, my favorite rap song about Italian food.
1: <laughs> but there's this scene where uh, Eminem's character, uh, B- uh, Rabbit Bunny Rabbit B Rabbit. Um, is at work. He's, he works. Wait, I'm sorry.
0: Eminem's character is named Bunny Rabbit?
1: B-Rabbit, yeah.
0: I, this, I was today years old when I learned this information. It's
1: a fantastic movie, Katie. Surprise, I mean, he's a surprisingly good actor, too. It's very good. Highly Um, recommend. Sorry, continue. There's this scene where he, so it's set (laughs) in Detroit, he works in, uh, uh, an auto factory, basically. Okay.
0: Well, it's Detroit.
1: And this, the love interest, um, comes in and she, he like sees her across the room and she gives him like this look and... They, like, he walks over to her, and she basically gives him this, like, let's have sex right now look. And he, like, goes, his eyes wide, and he looks around, and he goes, okay, and he grabs her by the hand, and they find a little corner. And, like, in ten seconds, they stop, start making out, and then, like, there's penetra- they're They're having sex now. And I was just like, oh, okay. That's, that's what happens. Because, I mean, I don't know how old I was, like, ten or something, like, eleven. Um... And I just figured, like, oh, that's what's supposed to happen is is in the moment, you're going to be in a thing, and then somebody who you want to have sex with says, let's have sex, and then you're just like, bing, (laughs) (laughs) swing, all right, let's go. (laughs) And I quickly discovered that that was not the case. Um, And
0: so profoundly outside of my experience.
1: How do you figure? Well, how do you mean? Not figure? Like
0: I'm tr- like I'm trying to imagine like what my response to seeing that would have been as a kid because like it takes me so long to get in the right headspace to like be down to pound. I go shouldn't. Just, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> sorry.
1: Our moms aren't listening. It's
0: okay. Um, I just I've come up with so many clever euphemisms. No. Um, but like I mean, but that's the thing. It's like exactly what you were saying. Like I like I can't do that. Like that's not a thing. Like and and sometimes. I will be in the mood. Um, And that's cool. Like, I'm... And when that happens, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. The stars have aligned and the moon is in the... how? Like, you know, and and that's really cool. But that happens so infrequently that I think that also contributes to my rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Because, like, if it is one of those perfect moments where I am, like, let's go, and my partner is, like... No, I'm not no no thing I'm I'm doing whatever. Like, no, it's a Super Bowl. You know, whatever, like whatever it might be. I don't know <laughs> why I went with Super Bowl. Like, then I feel like I have done something wrong by making the approach.
1: Well it seems kind of analogous in some ways to how I think of hyperfocus. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't control when I'm going to hyperfocus on something, usually there's certain things I always hyperfocus on, but oftentimes I get hyperfocused on something entirely arbitrary. Uh, but when I get hyperfocused on something that I think of as being an objectively good thing to do, the stars have aligned. Oh my gosh, I need to go do the dishes right now because I have the motivation and I'm like, oh, I just thought of a new method or whatever. I need to seize that right now. And so, similarly with sexuality, I have no control over when I am in the mood, in a sexual mood, when I'm aroused, whatever. I'm leaving all that stuttering in just right now. That's that's what my ADHD looks like a lot.
0: It's okay.
1: But it's in some ways analogous in that we have no control. Oh, and there's a, there's a guilt that I feel when I'm in the mood when another person isn't because I feel like i'm wronging them because i've spent my whole life watching men pose to, to and lust over women and i never wanted to be that guy um but i also feel bad when my partner is in the mood and i'm not i know that it, i'm well, well i'm within my rights to do that which by the way dear listener it is okay yeah, to absolutely. not be in the mood if your partner is. absolutely at okay. all times it is okay <laughs> um but it's sort of it's an interesting sort of lack of control analogous to our lack of control of 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 our attention i don't know if it's entirely analogous because there is of course hyper and hyposexuality but let's say well
0: it 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 is though like and sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but it's really interesting that you say that because so lots of people with adhd experience hyposexuality or Mm -hmm. low sex drive um but a but a smaller contingency experience hypersexuality which is a higher than usual sex drive. Um, but the problem with both of those is that those are kind of subjective terms, right? Like yeah. if all of a sudden, all you can think about is sex, are you experiencing hypersexuality or are you just in the mood? You know what I mean? Like, and so there's like a lot of like wiggle room within the definitions of hypo and hypersexuality. But they both come down. In conversation with ADHD, they both come down to focus and attention, hmm, right?
1: Yeah. Because
0: for a lot of people, low sex drive is a, is a, I'm like, I'm so nervous about recording this episode because I keep saying like for a lot of people, like I speak for the ADHD community, <laughs> but I want to be clear, like as I keep having these conversations, um, there are four or five really great studies that have been done about ADHD and sexuality, and I have studied them and I have read them. So we're going to post all of those on the website so you can check those out if you want. Um, but when I say lots of people with ADHD, I'm referring to the people who have participated in the studies if that is makes sense.
1: Yes. and um, uh, N equals N we'll say for the math equals
0: gram. people who have been involved in ADHD studies/ slash myself because I'm also counting myself as a reference point. <laughs> um, but so so hyposexuality and hypersexuality both come down to attention. And, and inattention slash impulsiveness slash everything that comes with ADHD. And so for many people, the low sex drive comes from the fact that there is, there is a definitive struggle to focus on sex. There is a definitive struggle to get into the proper headspace whereas people who experience hypersexuality that is all they can think about is their attention is is is, again it's not an attention deficit it is a attention directive right attention direction um and then there it it gets so it gets so sciencey so quick and i don't know how deep to go down the rabbit hole
1: hey dude go for it be rabbit okay like, Are you
0: saying, Eric, that I should lose myself I in, think the, should, in the moment?
1: You should lose yourself in the science, the moment in you want to the... start.
0: Mom's different. spaghetti. All right. I'm sorry I yelled. <laughs> I lack impulse control. Um, But yeah, and so, and so that's that's part of it. Um, But then also you have to take into consideration all of like the comorbidities that often come with ADHD. So lots of people with ADHD also have depression or anxiety or both. Um, many people struggle with addiction. Mm. Um, And so there's all of these sort of like outside external factors that are not specifically just ADHD. Um, Even ADHD medication can, you know, um, affect both ways, hypo and hypersexuality, which is really interesting. Um, And then even more complex is there is a very interesting phenomena that hasn't really been studied at all, except in the kink community. So within the kink community, there's this conversation about a term called drop. Um, And what drop is, is that after a kink scene, some people experience drop. And, and drop is basically once all of your sort of serotonin and dopamine have been depleted because you've sort of burned through it during this like heightened experience and this heightened range of emotions, the next day you can feel like shit. Um, and it can happen to the top or the bottom. Like it, it is sort of non-discriminatory. It just depends on like how your brain processes the sexual experience and, and, and emotions and, and experiences. Right. But That is a thing that happens to everybody across the board when you orgasm. Because when you Hmm. orgasm, your body releases certain endorphins and chemicals like serotonin and dopamine. So for a lot of people who have a lower than average sort of uh, rate of dopamine, like (laughs) perhaps someone with ADHD, the act of orgasming depletes that dopamine And you can start to resent sex because you feel shitty afterwards. Mm. You're just naturally experiencing drop. So what basically winds up happening is that many people with ADHD who experience lower rates of dopamine and serotonin already feel like shit after they have sex. And, but unconsciously, because mm-hmm. they're not educated and they don't know... like I, That's so rude to they're say. Not they're about. not
1: educated about...
0: They're not educated. They're all dummies. They're all big, <laughs> dumb, dummy faces. They're not
1: educated they're, about they're that. They're
0: not educated about this specific component of how orgasm affects your brain and your chemical levels. And so they start to unconsciously associate sex with feeling crappy afterwards hmm. and and that shows up in these studies that I'm talking about because the number one sort of theme among all of the people who are studied in all of these different studies because there's been several done like I said before is that universally people with ADHD are more sexually active but they are less satisfied hmm. with sex huh yeah yeah Put that in your brisket and smoke it. I'm sorry I said that.
1: <laughs> you don't, you smoke the brisket itself.
0: I've never made a brisket. I don't know how it works. Oh,
1: what are you I've, doing tonight?
0: I've watched Mrs. Maisel a lot, but that's, that's all I got.
1: <laughs> well, I think the thing, you know, we're going to do a whole episode on kink at some point. Um, so we won't get Yeah, into it. Yeah,
0: we can't get in. It's so complicated. That's a whole that's, thing. that's too much for one episode. Um,
1: but kink, I think, is a notable enough experience. Like it's, it looks interesting and involves different tools. It, it's, you know, it's notable. So that might perhaps then cause one to realize trends that occur because of it. For example, drop yeah. in the kink community that everybody knows about drop because they, well, because they're just a wonderful group of people in general, <laughs> as, far as, as far as I've learned. Um, but in more, I guess the, the kink term would be vanilla sex, sex that doesn't involve kinky elements. Um, If those it might not seem as notable, you might not think of it as being something that's, you know, endorphinally significant enough to cause something like drop. And so especially for a person with ADHD who already has uh, a non-typical relationship with dopamine, um, just again, go over it real quick. Uh, low arousal theory. This is not sexual arousal. This is brain arousal arousal. People with ADHD have a smaller amount of do- uh, dopamine active in their brain at any given time. Uh, your brain has an amount of dopamine that it releases and then takes back up. So you can think of it as like if you had ten darts to throw. You, there are only so many th- darts you can throw before you have to stop and go and get them and reload so there's only so much dopamine you can have at one time i
0: love your analogies they're always so good
1: (laughs) well thanks and so if you have a a massive orgasm let's say you've just thrown all those darts at the thing at the same time and then you got to go grab them and take them back so for if you were to think of like darts on the board at a given time um as being like the amount of dopamine active in your brain for a period of time when you go grab all the darts. And walk back your brain is depleted of dopamine which i suppose in this case we would call drop mm-hmm. um, and for a person with adhd whose brain is very used to having to be very attentive to the amount of dopamine flopping around and, and at any given time um I, I really wish there were more studies done on this and perhaps i shall spend the rest of my life doing these studies um but i can certainly say from personal experience um the types of things that i feel when my ADHD is running off the loose, like if I'm hyper-focused to all hell on something and then suddenly I finish the model or I have to stop or whatever, and all of a sudden my brain just goes, and I get depressed, and I, and I experience drop. Um, same is the case for if I have an intense sexual experience. Afterwards, I experience drop because I've just thrown out all of my dopamine. And I also think it's worth noting, or talking about, I suppose, because I don't know really what I make of it yet. Um, but... So in my everyday life, non-sexual situations in my everyday life, um, my brain craves phasic dopamine, the dopamine that your brain releases when something happens, when new stuff goes on. Uh, So I'm constantly switching topics and getting bored with topics and doing new ones. It's called ADHD. Um, That is also happening during a sexual encounter. So my brain is doing all the sex dopamine stuff, but I am also (laughs) simultaneously doing all the ADHD dopamine stuff and it feels strange and in my in my experience when i'm in a sexual realm it's sort of binary i am either dissociated or i am thinking about everything that's going on at all times you know the sexual sensations that i'm i'm experiencing the sound of the light the creakiness of the bed my feet are getting sweaty um (laughs) and so it's basically like i I'm either not cued into anything at all, I'm fully dissociated, or I'm cued into so many things that I cannot at all focus on, you know, experiencing pleasure, giving pleasure and all the stuff that occurs, intimacy. I can't focus on intimacy. Um, And that sort of gives validation to the feeling of drop. Because the drop is occurring because of chemical things. Yeah. But it gives that place that i go to during drop a lot of stuff to toss around in my brain oh
0: absolutely like oh you
1: you you know you made them tired because you kept having to start over because you were like hold on i gotta go turn off that light it's bright or whatever and so then when i experience drop i can think back to all these occurrences that occurred during that experience due to my adhd and my drop has like oh gosh eric we are gonna go nuts with all this stuff that you just did and it makes it worse i feel like i don't know if it's worse because i don't need to compare it to because i'm only one person but still
0: guess what? You did it! You made it to the middle of the episode! Congratulations! Have you had any water today? First, we just want to say thank you. At the beginning of January, we set a goal of having 50 patrons by the end of the month, and we did it! It happened! And so, because we think it's important to keep growing, we are expanding that goal to 60. However, we also wanted to take a little bit of time to let you know why. Every single dollar that we raise is going towards helping Eric move to Atlanta so we can continue Infinite Quest's mission of spreading advocacy and education about ADHD and mental illness. This has become something that means more to us than we can ever say. And with your support, you're helping turn this into a reality, and we are so grateful. Every little bit helps, so if you're interested in supporting Infinite Quest, visit patreon.com infinitequest for more information. Hey everybody, it's me, Katie Osaurus, and we just wanted to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Honey Playbox. What is Honey Playbox, you might ask? Well, I'm going to give it to you straight. They sell sex toys. But here's the thing. Honey Playbox believes that pleasure, play, health, and accessibility are necessary for positive experiences of sexuality. And you know what? Here at Infinite Quest, we agree. Especially in conversation with how tough sex and sexy times can be when you're struggling with ADHD or depression or any sort of neurodivergency. Having open, honest conversations about sex and sexuality are really, really important to us. And our friends at Honey Playbox agree. And not only do our friends at Honey Playbox agree with that, uh, they also want you to save a little bit of money while you're having these conversations and exploring sexuality and what works and doesn't work for you. So they've hooked us up with a 20% off discount code. From now until the end of March, use code INFINITEQUEST to get 20% off your order. That's like honestly not a bad deal, you guys. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Also, just because I think this is very funny, Honey Playbox was kind enough to send over just a ludicrous amount of stuff for me and Eric to look at and talk about. So in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see some content over on the YouTube. And we're also going to talk more just about sex toys and how they can help uh, your ADHD relationships. So we will uh, be posting that content soon. So you have that to look forward to. So again, use code infinite quest. If you want 20% off your order over at honey Playbox, and and uh, have, have fun. Oh, okay. Bye. Oh man, did I just have a podcast breakthrough? I think I just had what? a podcast breakthrough. Two in one, <gasps> two in one day. This is free. This is charged for this. Um, my my struggle because I guess like we haven't talked about me yet, so like let's just talk about me for a second here. Oh, God. Who cares? I care, Katie.
1: <laughs> who cares? I care.
0: Um, I think that's my real problem. Like I tend to be more submissive. I gravitate more towards like bottoming in a scene. Um, Where's bottoming? Just being submissive, I just hate the term submissive. Like, yeah, like it's just me really, too. I just, it's, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, like, like to think of like, when if you're cuddling, if there's one person who's like...
0: I want to be a little spoon.
1: Yeah, yeah. little spoon is bottoming, big spoon <laughs> is topping. It's a very loosely defined term, but like, it's yeah.
0: yeah. It's like, I don't know. I just, I hate the term submissive because it's like, in the kink community, I would be what is defined as like a heavy impact, probably bratty submissive but i hate the term submissive i hate the term brat and it's like i don't know it's i just i get really hung up on labels because i'm just like labels can't define me man but anyway <laughs> what the fuck i was talking about was that i have always felt like an inconvenience and it's because i have adhd and it's and so like my entire life has been about trying to keep the people around me happy mm. And trying desperately to not be an inconvenience and like people pleasing and bending over backwards to make people happy, which is separate from being submit. like I want to be very clear about that. Like it's it's not like, oh, you're a people pleaser, therefore you must be submissive. But for me, I've always felt like an inconvenience. And that especially started coming up during sex. Because first off, I was I was a super late bloomer, which surprises a lot of people. And actually runs very... Con- like my personal experience runs contrary to a lot of studies. Um, There's a really interesting study done about um, ADHD and risky behavior in women with ADHD. Um, and across the board, it kind of talked about um, the fact that women with ADHD... Tend to engage more in like risky partners and oh. risky sexual behaviors, and like the number of sexual partners and like uh substance abuse as it relates to sex. Um, and that study was done in uh 2006, um, but that was never my experience. Like, I lost my virginity when I was 21, and the only reason I lost it when I was 21. Which, and also I want to be very clear, virginity is a societal construct, and I don't even, like, that's a whole other box to unpack. But, like, my first sexual experience came when I was 21. (laughs) Came. And it was because I just decided, like, this is something that I need to get over with. Like, I just, I need to, I need to have this experience. I might as well get on board. Like, let's go. And it was really bad. It was a very, very bad sexual experience because, like, I had no idea what I was doing. And I think, kind of, a little bit what you're talking about like, I had a bad Mm. experience. Mm -hmm. I internalized that as I was being an inconvenience because it it took me a really long time to get in the mood. It took me a really long time to sort of respond to anything that was happening. Um, And that kind of became how I thought about sex. Like, I was just inconvenient because it takes me so long to orgasm it takes me so long to focus it takes me so long to get in that headspace and so sex wasn't particularly something that I enjoyed when it was like it just is like is I always say like pizza like if you offered me pizza or sex I will always choose pizza because at least pizza is consistent and I know (laughs) what I'm in for right and that's so frustrating and it's so frustrating to be lying there and like wanting to be intimate with somebody and wanting to share this time in this space and like, experience like those emotions of like closeness and intimacy but the whole time you're going oh my god like is his hand getting tired like is he getting tired like it's been a really long time is like this is a reasonable amount of time i don't think this is a reasonable amount of time like this feels like a really long should i say something should i not say something because if i say something like is it going to put him out of the mood and then like then i'm going to feel bad because like i ruined it like that is my monologue every time i am having sex like Mm -hmm. i want to be very clear like every time across the board universally and so When I, and again, this is, we're probably going to circle back to a lot of this on the kink episode, but like, so the first time that I experienced a, like a partner who was very like dominant and was like, no, this is what we're doing. I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. (laughs) Like, I don't have to, like, it's fine. It's okay. And like having that permission and having that freedom to be like, it's okay to take that time. It's okay to need the time that you take but like you really have to have an understanding partner you really have to have somebody who it's like I don't care if it takes you 50 minutes to orgasm I don't care if it takes an hour you know like it doesn't it's it's about the time that we're spending together and so that is something that I try to bring into my own sexual experiences now is like it really doesn't matter you know like it 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 shouldn't matter it should be about the time that is being spent but if the ceiling fan is clicky or the air conditioning is on or the music is weird or whatever it's just it's it just all circles back to that that moment of like i'm being an inconvenience like i'm i'm the other person is not enjoying it and it's my fault and like that is how, yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, a it, 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 it's a it's it's, it, it's just trailed a, off at the end. It's,
1: fine. <laughs> it's a positive or a negative feedback loop mm-hmm. because the more worried you are about how if their hand is tired or whatever, like the, the more your RSD is acting up, mm-hmm. and you just want to be less inconvenient or you know whatever, um, the longer the 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 the, 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 the I, I, I don't want to I guess I guess worse I don't want to say worse because I don't imply that they're bad but the things that are causing you to think that way will will be com- compounded.
0: Yeah, they com- like it's just it becomes a vicious cycle.
1: Exactly. So if I'm thinking like is their hand getting tired, I am now less close to the like the, what will cause them to be able to stop moving their hand, you know, like it's Yeah,
0: exactly. and
1: it's this oh god, it's just this it's frustrating so spiral. Frustrating. And that's of course why it helps to have an understanding partner because when you have an understanding partner, um you can answer those questions in your head all right, you can say are are they tired? It's like, well, if you have, if you are very comfortable with your partner and you're very communicative, then you can know, oh, if they were, they would say, I'm going to, I need a break from this. Or if they were like, they'll, they'll tell yeah. me. So it, having a, an understanding partner is just absolutely paramount to, I mean, in my case, yeah. satisfying sexual experiences. Um, and that also goes for um, sexual compatibility, frankly, yeah. um, being able to communicate what your needs are. Um, for my, me, my, my big, a big, uh, journey that I'm still on is, uh, figuring out what those needs are such that I can find a partner, um, who can satisfy, who is, can satisfy my needs and who, who has, who also has needs that I can satisfy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you can't ask for something if you don't know what it is. And so having a partner that you're also comfortable enough to explore with, perhaps there are new things that, that, you know, there are certain sexual practices that, stop my ADHD right in its tracks. Because I'll be thinking about the ceiling fan and then, you know, I don't want to get, we, we can get it, we'll get into it at the kink episode. <laughs> but the ceiling fan will be going on. I'm like, oh, the ceiling fan, oh man, like, this, are they, they, they is, you know, is their leg in a weird position? Am I putting too much, am I sitting too, like, am I leaning on their leg too hard or whatever? And then all of a sudden, uh, something <laughs> will happen. <laughs> and all of a sudden my brain just goes, Screw everything that you were just thinking about. <laughs> this is what's happening now. Yeah. And being able to have a partner that you can, one, ask for whatever that thing is of, um, ask of whatever that thing is, um, and have a partner that you're comfortable enough to explore with, such to find what that thing is, is just of of, of of paramount
0: importance. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I say this all the like literally all the time, it comes up so often, but... I think the number of problems that can simply be solved by sitting down and having a conversation is shocking, frankly. Like, yeah. especially when it comes to navigating like ADHD relationships. Um, and like, I can't remember the episode, but where we talked about like defining terms, you know, like that. Kind oh, of yeah. Thing. Relationships episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, that like that expands, I think, more into the sexual realm as well because, like, there, there's nothing wrong with sitting down and looking at the person that you're about to be intimate with and be like, Hey, if I check out, like, can you do this thing to bring me back? Like, it would be really helpful, like, if the ceiling fan isn't on. Mm-hmm. Like, you can ask for those things and you can vocalize those things. You're not doing anything wrong when you you vocalize those needs and you express those needs and those wants she said an absolute fucking hypocrite because that's the thing that i struggle with the most like it is like i'm so bad at it because when i first started having sex i didn't necessarily have communicative partners i didn't necessarily know that it was okay to ask for things And I had a string of partners who, quite frankly, were not interested in me or my experience being a good one. It was about their experience. Um, And so because of that, like, I internalized, again, I don't want to be an inconvenience. Mm. And, like, I'm not kidding when I say, like... If there was music playing, right? Just hypothetical situation. If there, if there was like music playing and I didn't like the music, the, the fear and the shame and the, the, the impossibility of just saying, can we turn the music off? That is terrifying to hmm. me because like, to me, that is such a huge request because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I'm here, I'm spending my time with this person. They have been thoughtful enough to put on some music to set the mood or whatever. And now I'm coming in and not only am I saying, oh, I don't like this music and I don't like the parameters that you have set in which we are being intimate, but now I'm I'm also being inconvenient enough to say, can you change this? Can you stop what you're doing to, you know, tell Alexa to stop playing music or whatever? And like, but that's how hung up I get on it because I am so scared of being an inconvenience. And it's so frustrating. And it's like, i have like, therapy helps to some extent. But honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to the repetition of having... An understanding and communicative partner who not only can say, yeah, that's fine if we need to turn the music off, no big deal, but having the presence of mind to also say, and thank you for saying something. Mm. It's okay that you said something like that was good. You did a good thing. Good job.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no overstating the importance of being on the same page yeah. as your partner, whatever the page Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's sort of interestingly enough, I think communication and being on the same page as your partner is immensely convenient because it it, it rids both of you of the of, of the, the fear of having to wonder what do they want? am I doing the right thing do they like what I'm doing? are they offended by what I'm doing? Is the music okay yeah it you you know if if, if you had a partner that knew you and knew that you can't stay focused or like in the moment if there is music playing they wouldn't have played music in the first place. Which then Well that's
0: but that's the problem though, is because sometimes I want music. Sometimes I want music and sometimes I don't want music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I want classical music and sometimes I want like, you know, slow motion casino heist music. (laughs) Like which is a very specific genre. Oh yes. I must but it's my favorite it is my favorite like genre for like heavy impact scenes. Mm. But sometimes I'll be doing, like, a heavy impact scene and I don't want any noise. Like, and it's just, and it's just, like, where my brain is at that day. And that's why I get so fucking frustrated. Mm. Because it's, the variables always change. The variables are always changing based on infinitesimal differences Mm -hmm. like and literally sometimes it's like did I eat lunch Mm -hmm. and it's like if I ate lunch then nine times out of ten I'm gonna like have a bunch of body image issues because I had the audacity to feed myself today Mm. and my fucking eating disorder brain tells me that I'm a disgusting fat piece of shit and so how dare I have a body how dare I enjoy what's going on I don't wanna be seen because like, you know, like now I'm in my head about like what I look like. It's so dumb, Eric. It's so it's dumb. It's not dumb, Katie, at all. It's, I mean, it's, it's 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 not dumb. Like it's it's valid because it is what goes on in my head. But I like from an outside perspective of someone listening to this podcast who just has sex and lives their life i sound ridiculous
1: no no you you really don't and i don't mean to say i mean yes <laughs> those feelings are valid but honestly no it isn't i mean think uh yesterday when we were getting ready to 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 do a live yeah uh when you were carrying the thing you knocked over uh you spilled something on the table right and you were really mad at yourself
0: i was i was so mad
1: and i didn't care i was like oh I'll well, grab a towel it's fine and i asked you if i had knocked over the thing how mad at me would you be how would you be like how dare they How much would you feel that towards me? And you immediately, without hesitation, said, not at all. That's how other people generally are. (laughs) They're not, this is tangentially related, but Eleanor Roosevelt said that you wouldn't care as much about what people thought of you if you realized how seldom they actually do. (laughs) And so all the stuff that's going on in your head of... Or, or would they be terribly offended if I asked them to turn the music down? It's so stupid of me because all this is happening because of I stubbed my toe yesterday and this particular way that I'm standing is putting fresh all that stuff. They all they see is that you are giving them information to cause their insecurities to go down because then they know what you need. Yeah. That's what I worry the most about during any sexual is, is am I giving this person what they need? And if I don't know what they need, then I'm just guessing. And that is dreadfully inefficient and if they don't know what they need then neither of us know and so you need to be able to be comfortable enough to explore and figure out what both of you want so i think it's kind of ironic that the i think in 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 your case and i am no expert at all (laughs) i mean i'm just a person who has experiences who is apparently not embarrassed to talk about them
0: i'm here Uh, for it
1: (laughs) um ironically i think the things that you worry about uh, in terms of offending the other person or making the other person uncomfortable um, would actually make them more comfortable to tell them, hey, can you yeah. turn down the music or, hey, can you shift your weight in this or that way? And that also sets the precedent that you will tell them. Like, I've, I've noticed that I, I tend to get along with people that other people describe as being assholes. It, and because assholes will always tell you what they're thinking. And so, you know, I have a relative, <laughs> I won't say their name in case of them, but I have a relative who... Uh, if you're standing in an inopportune spot, she'll just go, uh, "Eric, don't stand there. Stand there," and I'll just go, "Okay," and I'll <laughs> and I'll move over there. If that,
0: why, why do you turn into John Mulaney when <laughs> you do it? Okay,
1: that's pretty good. Um, and a lot of people kind of get offended, like, oh, "All right, fine," but for me, I'm like, I I'm so comfortable around her because I know I never have to worry that she's thinking something. That I'm doing and I don't know about it. If yeah. I'm doing something that she doesn't like, she'll just tell me matter of factly, like, "Hey, could you turn that denim on the phone or whatever?" Yeah. Um. And so it's sort of ironic that, um, in your attempts to make the other person, uh, I guess n- not offended, uh, like,
0: well, well, it's it's, it's asking yeah, versus guessing behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Is like, yeah, yeah. is what it comes down to. And for those of you who don't know, like, I think this topic is like absolutely fascinating. Um, but it, a lot of it has to do, it doesn't have anything to do with like ADHD or being neurodiverse or whatever. It literally just kind of comes down to like how you were raised, um, and how you communicate because, um, let's say you need to go to the airport. If you are an asker, you would say, Hey Eric, can you give me a ride to the airport on Thursday? Mm -hmm. And Eric would say yes. Or Eric would say no. And it would be his right either way to do that. Um, but guessers would go oh man i I, I hate traffic and, and and like I like I gotta go to the airport on Thursday and like parking at the airport is such a pain with the hope that Eric would pick up on that and say oh well I could give you a ride to the airport and like both of those are both of them have their pros and their cons but the big problem with it is that, People who are guessers tend to think of askers as inconscionable assholes, <laughs> and people who are askers tend to think of guessers as passive-aggressive monsters. And so, like, when you when you put that in context of sex, if you are an asker and your partner is a guesser, wow, is there a lot of room for miscommunication? And if you know you are a guesser and you're partner is an asker, then you can feel like your partner is being really demanding or trying to like top from the bottom or like whatever. But in reality, your partner is just expressing what they want. But getting on the same page about even how you ask and how you communicate, that becomes really, really important as well. And I think because I am so resolutely a guesser, like I am a guesser and it is such a problem and I recognize it as a problem because a lot of times it's not a problem. Like sometimes you can just be like, I sure would like steak for dinner. And then somebody goes, Oh, well we could have steak. And I go, yay, I got what I wanted. Hooray. But in the context of sex, it's a lot harder to be like, I sure hope that, you know, my partner reads my mind and figures out that this is a really bad angle. And I'm in a lot of pain right now. They're not like, but your partners can't read your mind. Your partners can't infer that unless you express that but i'm so com- uncomfortable expressing a lot of that stuff like it is it is often to my own detriment and i see that pattern of behavior in my life i'm like i work really hard to fix it but i'm not a perfect person i just play one on tv <laughs> and i think i think
1: adhd is very related to that in that guessing is a lot of stuff for a brain to think about you know if if, if i'm with a person who is <laughs> because if it's guessing behavior who will imply that they need something and hope that I respond, my ADHD can grab that and all of a sudden has a bunch of stuff to think about it and can go, well, wait a minute, the look in their eyes said that they really wanted steak for dinner, but then they kind of were like, oh, I want steak for dinner, but I, I would feel bad if I ate steak, so maybe they don't want steak for dinner or whatever. Um, my ADHD is like, oh, my God, I have so much stuff to think about now. Whereas- <laughs> my
0: ADHD just remember that there's mashed potatoes in the fridge because you said steak, and now I'm happy about mashed potatoes. <laughs> It has nothing to do with this episode, but I just wanted to let everybody know that that's the reality of living yeah. with ADHD. Put,
1: put Parmesan cheese in your mashed potatoes, everybody. PSA. Oh, God, yeah. um, whereas, if you're with somebody who is a who is a uh, what is it? Um, um, asking versus guessing. guessing. Yeah. So if, uh, if you're with an asker and you and the asker says, "Can you make me steak for dinner?" my ADHD my ADHD can't do anything with that. It's just well, my ADHD would then think, "Oh my God, there's a million ways to make steak." Of course. <laughs> But I, I'm at least furthering what's happening. So if I'm in a sexual situation and I am not sure if what I'm doing is liked by the other person or I'm not sure if the person knows that I don't like what they're doing or whatever, that's all guesswork that can make my ADHD spin out like nobody's business and then I'll get frustrated that I'm spinning out and I'll dissociate and everything stops. Nope. <laughs> and asking is is a really good way in my for me to sort of make my ADHD go okay it's like it, it, it's just it's less fuel for my ADHD to spin out with, I suppose.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting.
1: Similarly, I you know if, if you're a submissive versus dominant, I find that being a, a bottom or a, a, a more submissive sexual partner, um, it rids me of a lot of decisions. Yeah. So if I'm in charge, Then I have to decide, where am I going to go? Where are they going to go? What are we going to do? All these things that my ADHD, you know, ADHD people are generally good prospectors. We're really good at thinking of a million different ways of doing something, but we're not very good at deciding which one to do. So when I'm in a dominant situation, that is liable to happen. Whereas if I'm submissive, I have one piece of information that I need, and that is, what do you want me to do? (laughs) And that
0: is it. I literally, so, because I'm a switch, right? I don't talk about it a lot, but I am a switch, sometimes a top, sometimes a bottom, and uh when I top ta- I literally write an outline. Like I'm writing a goddamn book report. And it's so funny because people will be like, what? Cause I have like a little I have notes. I have little like notes because it's like my ADHD does the same thing. I start prospecting and I go, Oh, well, I could do this thing or I could do this thing or I could do this thing. And I found that the most effective way for me to top is to specifically take away those those options. So mm-hmm. I I just make the list and like we're sticking to the list (laughs) and like, you know, like there's places where you can like creatively deviate or like something if something isn't working for your partner or whatever. But like that is something that like I've always been kind of embarrassed about because like I have to be so clinical to be a good top because I have to work within the parameters of my ADHD. So it's like I literally have on my like notes app on my phone. I have like, the book report outline of like scenes that I've done because it, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like the, well they liked this thing last time. So like, I'll, I'll put it in, you know, this next time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just like navigating the, the challenges of ADHD means that you kind of have to prospect both like in the moment, but you also have to prospect for ideas about how to creatively problem solve around your own neuro diversity Mm. and those challenges and for me it means writing outlines or getting over the fear of being like please turn down the music or whatever and it's a lot and I don't think I'm always successful like I like I know I know that I'm not always successful but I think the cool thing is that because of TikTok and because of this podcast and because of the position that I am now in I have the opportunity to learn how to do better. I'm I'm actively learning every day how to work on these failings that I have internalized for so long because I'm finally realizing that I'm not the only person who struggles to orgasm. I'm not the only person who struggles to focus. Like I'm, it's, to, to everybody take a drink. It's not a moral failing. Yeah. It's, it, I'm not inherently a bad person because sex is hard and complex and complicated for my brain. But it's also something that I'm passionate about. And mm. it's like, I mean, and it's something that when I, when, you know, the stars align and I'm with a partner who I'm very compatible with, it is a wonderful experience. And it's like a type of thing that I really want and I really need in my life in order to stay centered and and in order to feel good about myself. And I think that having the opportunity to constantly be reminded that, you know, like, of women and 39% of men with ADHD experience this. Like, I am quantifiably not alone. Science has proven that I am not alone. And I think that is such a gift. That is such a gift to know that. And so I don't care if my mom is mad about this episode because maybe part of that 43% or that 39% of people who didn't know that until today will know that now and they will feel a little bit less alone.
1: Here, here, Katie. Here, here. Hey, Eric. Yeah?
0: Will you make me steak for dinner? No. Aww. (laughs) That's all for Infinite Quest this week, but before you go, we've got a couple more things to let you know about. First, don't forget to check out our Redbubble shop. We've got a bunch of cool merch, including some brand new ADHD and D designs, which we're really excited about. This past Monday, Eric and me and Chris were invited to play Melee Ball on Lark Network, hosted by D&D Corso. It was a ton of fun. Like, holy shit, we had so much fun, you guys. It will be available on their Twitch stream at TV slash Network for the next two weeks, so make sure you go check it out and watch us get our asses kicked at Dungeons & Dragons sports ball. Lastly, we just want to give a huge shout-out to our new Patreon supporters, so thank you very much to Erica and Kathy and Michelle and Penny and Chesh and Nicole and Malice and Zero. Welcome to the Infinite Quest family. We are so grateful and humbled by your support, and we look forward to seeing all of you next week. Until then, remember to drink some water, remember to be kind to yourself, and remember that we love you. Hello, this is Mr. Brooks. Coming to you live from my remote location in northwestern North Carolina. Wanted to say congratulations on the podcast. Hope you both are doing well. And I got so involved in it once I started listening that I almost burned my cookies. So please take that as a high compliment. Good luck. Break a leg. Do well. Get in the first punch. All right. I'll see y'all later.